Hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Glad to hear from you Sunday morning. Come on, you glad to be in the house of God? Man, come on. Young adults is fired up. That's what I'm talking about. Come on, that's awesome. I love it. So glad you're here. My name is Michael. Uh, my wife, Carmen, and I, we have the tremendous honor and privilege of serving this church as lead pastors. And I tell you what, we are just glad that you're in the house of the Lord today. We love you very much and uh, glad that you're here. Let's give it up for all of our guests. Come on, let's do it. All of our guests. Whether you like it or not, you're part of the family now. Come on, somebody. You're part of the family. Before we jump into the message, I want to do something that I really don't want to do. Is that okay? Can I do that? Um, so today uh, is a bittersweet day, uh, but uh, Pastor Sean and Theresa, I'd love for y'all to come on up here with Noah. I know Nathaniel's in class, but y'all come on up here. Our executive team, I'd love for you to come up on the stage as well. Um, they This Sunday is actually their last Sunday here at Vibrant. As I announced a few weeks ago, Pastor Sean and Theresa accepted a position as the dream team pastor at Parkway Life Church in Lumberton, Texas. And I tell you what, this incredible family has done nothing but bless our vibrant family. Amen. Amen. From the beginning, when, I, when we decided we we're going to plant this church, this was the first family that we called and said, hey, you want to go plant a church with us? And they said, yes, absolutely. Let's do it. And so uh, they've been here from the beginning, but I tell you what, um, the blessing that they've been to, to your family and my family and this family, they're just going to continue to be that blessing at Parkway Life Church. And here's what I would love for us to do is we are a praying church. Amen. And so what I'd love for you to do is stand across the room and uh, our executive team, what I want us to do is we're going to surround Sean and Theresa and, and Noah and Nathaniel is in class right now, but uh, we're going to pray that the Lord would bless them, that in this next season, in this transition, that God would bless them with incredible favor, that God would bless them with wisdom and understanding beyond they could even, uh, beyond whether you, what you could understand, what you think you would have currently, that the Lord would just continue to bless you, that he would give you favor walking into this new position as you learn, as you love, as you continue to do what you're already amazing at. Church, can we pray together? Can we pray that the Lord would bless this amazing couple? Lord, we love you so much. God, I, I'm so thankful for the Cass family. God, I pray that you would bless them as they go. God, as much of a blessing as they've been to this church, God, I pray that you would multiply that blessing into their family. God, that you would help them to find a home, God, that they could raise their family in. God, that you would bless them financially inside of that. Lord, I pray that you would help them and encourage them even in the low seasons. God, that this is what you've called them to do. God, I pray that you would encourage them, give them the wisdom and understanding to do what you've called them to do. Bless their marriage. God, bless their kids. Touch Noah and Nathaniel as they make this transition. God, I pray that you would bless them. God, protect their minds, protect their hearts. God, I'm so thankful for the Cass family. God, and I pray that you would anoint them for ministry, ordain them for what you've called them to do. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you love the Cass family, can you give it up for them right now? Come on, do it. 
after church, after church, we have a table set out in the lobby. What I would love for you to do is grab a card from the lobby, and I want you to write a handwritten note to them, and uh, some make them cry real good, you know what I'm talking about? You know, just write them a handwritten note, give them a gift card, give them some cash, let them know that you love them, that you, hey, moving's expensive, amen? And so let's bless them on their way out. They're packing up the U-Haul. If you feel like the Lord's called you to help them pack up the U-Haul this week, come on, get in here with them. Let's love them, let's bless them, Uh, amen. Come on, give it up for them one more time. Love you, buddy. You may be seated. Few things I want to tell you about before we jump into the message. I have had some people ask us recently, hey, look, Pastor Michael, um, I, I know a forward team and forward, we really dove in with like building the building and now we're, we've got the building built. What are we doing? Well, uh, first of all, we're, no, we're giving into missions, which we do continually, but I have a few opportunities that I want to tell you about that if you want to give into those, uh, there are specific needs that are happening right here on the campus. We give so much outside the campus, and, and so, but we want, to, we want to also invest in our campus. So two things I want to tell you about. If you notice, when I clap my hands in this room, notice how, how long of a ring it is between the Notice how long of the reverb it is, okay? That is because this room uh, is, was actually a warehouse, okay? And we made it into a church, all right? Surprise, all right, surprise. This was a chemical plant before we were here. And so that being said, there come some, some audio challenges that come with that. We wanna be an excellent in every way for every person that comes on this campus. But that being said, for us to be able to lower the volume of the actual sound system, we need treatment in the room so there's less bouncing off of the wall, okay? That being said, we've got that quoted for this room, all right? And for this room, about total for the entire treatment for this room is about $10,000. All right. Now, here's the thing: is that we can we can take out like chew off a little bit and a little bit and a little bit and a little bit. And if you feel like right now, hey, I I I want to I want to invest in that. Great, that's awesome. Uh, you don't have to tell anybody. You just go to vibranthtx.com and just give under forward. Okay, every dime of that will go to either this project, our treatment. We will get it as soon as we can. That's essentially it. When the money's there, we will get it. And then the second thing is our Dream Team Central and other areas in the campus. We built an, a build, uh, an amazing building, a beautiful building, but now it's about kind of creating the atmosphere within the building. Uh, I like to compare it like this. We've got a house, now we gotta make it a home. And so if you wanna invest in furniture, if you wanna invest into uh, little things in kids' rooms and, and, uh, and just in our, in our offices and things like that, you can do that by going to just investing in forward. So I just wanted to give you those opportunities. If you want to do that uh, separate from your tithing and offering, I really appreciate it. You guys know we don't come to you with things like this, but I do want to give you that opportunity. Let's dive into the message. This is us. You know, the whole premise of this series is that God created this beautiful thing called a marriage, right? Creates man and woman and, you know, woman from man, and then sin enters the picture and things get messy, right? They get messy. And, and what God created was perfect, and then we kind of messed it up, right? We kind of messed it up. I, let me set it up this way. There was a man, um, I, I, there was a man in California, and he found, he was sitting on the beach, and he found this little, um, uh, this little bottle, and, and he rubs this bottle, and this genie comes out of him. It's like, whew. Jeannie comes out in front of him. He's like, all right, I'm going to give you, you, congratulations, you found me. I'm going to give you one wish. 
He's like, all right, man, all right. Well, I live in California, but I'd really love to go see Hawaii, but I am deathly scared of flying. And uh, so what I would love for you to do is build a bridge from California to Hawaii so I can go to Hawaii and experience all the great things that come with Hawaii. And the genie is like, bro, do you know how hard that is? Like how much concrete, how much rebar, how much work? I mean, we got to paint the thing. Like there is so much work to go in there. Are you sure there's nothing else you want? He was like, you know, yeah, you know what? I want to understand my wife. The, the genie said, you want one lane or two? This, this side of the room will get it tomorrow. They, y'all catch on to that. It's okay. It's good. It's good. I want to help you today. I want to help you today. We're going to be in the book of Hosea in the Old Testament. As you're turning there in your Bible or on your phone, we're going to have it on the screen as well. Um, I, I just got to ask you, um, are you ready for a challenging message today? All right, about like 40% of y'all. Y'all ready for a challenging message online? Y'all ready for a challenging Message. All right, just remember, you asked for it, okay? It's not my fault, okay? Not my, my fault. Um, a, a couple of real lights, just kind of airy opening questions here to kind of dive in here. How many of you plan on one day committing the adultery? Anybody? Cheating on your spouse? Raise your hand, anybody? Anybody? How many of you plan on like getting married, popping out a few kids, and then getting like a bitter, ugly divorce? Anybody? Like divorce, divorce? Like five years, like five-year plan, 10-year plan, anybody? Divorce? No? No? I ask you, do you plan on doing these things? Yet statistically, about half of marriages will have these things. Somewhere around half, according to every study, will end up divorced. Now, you don't plan on doing that, yet a lot of people do. Why? There are all sorts of answers that are possible, but one of them, I believe is that society does a terrible job in, in preparing people for marriage. A terrible job, like awful. In fact, I would argue that society is more successful at preparing people for divorce than marriage. Think about it. One word, prenup. What dating has become, I told you it was gonna be challenging. I'm just in the first page. I hadn't even got the good stuff yet. What dating has become has become really good preparation for divorce. Think about it. There used to be things that were reserved for marriage. There used to be things that were reserved. Now, the difference between dating and marriage is often just a little ceremony that doesn't mean a whole lot to people except they're, except they're spending a lot of money, right? Doesn't mean a whole lot of people, lots of people. Little things like saying I love you and, and, and giving your body and your heart and the physical things and sharing and, and staying the night in the same bed and sharing the same sink with a toothbrush and living together and such. So basically what happens in 2022 is that people play house, they pretend to get married, they do married things, and then when it doesn't work out, they take their toothbrush and their broken heart and they essentially practice divorce. After we've done that with two people, three people, eight people, 12 people, 22 people, it's no wonder that when things, no things are really different when we truly get married. Because when things get tough, why is it any wonder that people just grab their toothbrush and what's left of their heart and they move on? Society has trained us for divorce. 
Many of you who will be married one day or who are married now, you're going to face some bumps in the road. Let me just tell you, married people, amen, you're going to face some bumps in the road. The normal logic of the world is take your toothbrush and go home. What I want to do today is look at a story that honestly is very painful. It's a biblical story and it's very painful and very beautiful at the same time. We'll see what, when even when there is a perfectly good reason for divorce, oftentimes God has something different. We're going to look at a couple named Hosea and, and, and Gomer. Everybody say Hosea. Everybody say Gomer. Hosea is the man and the Gomer is the very unfortunate woman with a terrible name. Don't name your girl, little girl Gomer. Don't do it, please. I mean, that's almost as bad as Hagar. It's just like, we're just picking the bad names and focusing on them this month, okay? Just rename that series, production team. I, I just, we see that this marriage had every other reason to end in divorce, but we're gonna watch as God calls these people to something different, that he challenges them to something different. Let me give you the context. Let me give you the context of what happens here. This is about 760 years before the birth of Christ. Jeroboam II was king of the northern territory or kingdom of Israel, and they were enjoying a time of unprecedented prosperity. Sadly, though, still true today is when there is economic increase, there is almost always moral and spiritual decrease, almost always. And that is what we're seeing right here in the story. So God raises up this prophet and his name is Hosea. And he speaks into the spiritual adultery of what's going on in Israel and the sins of people in the land. Hosea, you know, in the, in the very beginning, it's a very unusual story. So you gotta stay with me here, okay? Very unusual. Let's check it out. Hosea chapter one. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, go take to yourself an adulterous wife, with children and children of unfaithfulness because the land is guilty of vilest adultery departing from the Lord. So he married Gomer, daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. So he, he marries Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now pause, wait just a minute. Let's go back and explain this because that's got some layers there, right? Got some layers. So why in the world would God tell a budding young prophet to go marry a prostitute? Why? The story is very difficult to stomach, right? It's got layers on layers. We're gonna watch as one layer is a very literal story between Hosea and the immoral Gomer. But then we're gonna see another layer where this picture of God, where Hosea is loving and, and this immoral woman as God is, un, is loving this immoral people and, and of Israel. And then this other layer that we'll see towards the end is that throughout this whole story that God is loving us as we continue to reject his love. Let me do this to make it easy for us to understand. I'm gonna put this marriage in the context of 2022 and see if we can kind of understand it here, okay? So if they were living today, it would go something like this. Well, this girl with this bad past meets this preacher, meets this preacher, and, the, and he's a young preacher and he's kind of got a lot of things going for him. And God tells him, uh, hey, you know, you need to go marry this girl. And, and you know, they, he goes and he marries the girl and the beginning of their Hallmark movie is started. And so she's like, man, finally I got a good man that's interested in me. Like he's got a job, 
people actually like him. Like, uh, he's a good man. I finally got me a good man that's interested in me, okay? So they, they get married and they go on their honeymoon. They go off to Italy and they do things that you do in Italy and things get steamy and they get pregnant. Baby shower comes and, oh, it's a boy. It's gonna be a boy, right? They're naming a child and they're like, oh, what about this name? Well, no, I can't name him that name. That's my ex-boyfriend. Well, I, what about this name? Well, I, no, that's my ex-boyfriend too. I mean, she had a lot of ex-boyfriends, you know what I'm saying? And so, like, they finally decide on a name and, and the baby is born and everything is perfect. And then life happens. Life happens like it happens to so many other people. Like his ministry starts to pick up. He gets more responsibility. He gets more opportunity. He's at home less. He starts neg neglecting her and neglecting the home. And one day an old boyfriend reaches out on Facebook. Or she goes to the gym and the trainer starts flirting with her. And then something happens. This woman begins to believe the common marriage misconception that is this, and I want you to write this down or take a picture of it however you want to. What, is, what I'm missing is better than what I have. She starts to believe that internally. She's, I mean, you look at it. She's got a pretty good guy here, but I mean, like, he's not the man of my dreams anymore. I mean, like, he's not bringing me all the things that he once was. Like, he's at home all, he's not at home all the time. Like, he's not as romantic as he used to be. Then... After she buys into this lie, what happens? Hosea chapter two, verse five. She said, I will go after my lovers. What's out there is better than what I have. Who give me food and my water and my wool and my linen and my oil and my drink. Although this guy, he offers me so much, there are things he doesn't offer me that someone else can. So what she does and what so many people have done for centuries, and I told you this is challenging here, is she trades the 80% for the 20%. She trades the 80 for the 20. One of the most foolish and most common trades there is in society today. You say, well, well, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor Michael? What are you talking about, the 80 and the 20? In a decent marriage, like if you consider you have, you have a good marriage, that person is gonna provide and meet about 80% of your needs and expectations. About 80%. No one is going to meet 100%. I know you newlyweds. We got a few newlywed couple in here. And you think, oh, he's perfect. She is perfect. Like, Stay with me, okay? Like, trust me, okay? Stay with me, okay? Um, it is physically impossible. You wanna set somebody up for failure? Have the expectation that they're gonna meet 100% of your needs. Pretend like they can meet all of your needs. This guy is delivering about 80% of her needs, but yet there is 20% that he is incapable of delivering. And so since she, he, she doesn't have that 20%, what she does is takes the 80 and trades it in for 20 and ends up with far less than what she had in the first place. I don't know what these other 20%, these other men offered but well maybe it was because they got busy he got distracted he wasn't on his game he wasn't around so this other guy steps in and and he listens to her oh just talk to me tell me all about it 
Oh, just, just tell me about it. I want to hear. Hey, he steps in and, and he compliments her. Maybe he bought her little gifts or told her she was special. Or maybe he had had a better income than this minister guy because, you know, uh, but uh, uh, promised her more things. Or, or, or maybe she just thinks that I'm cooler. She doesn't tear me down all the time and she laughs at my corny jokes. She watches sports with me and, and have all these things in common. Let's be honest. She's more exciting than who I'm with now. See, it goes on both sides. People in our society, we trade in the 80 for the 20 and we end up with less than we had in the first place. We believe the lie, what I'm missing is better than what I have. You know, too many people, you think, well, man, the grass is greener on the other side. Well, the grass is green over septic tanks too. Come on, somebody. Right? All right. If it looks somewhere, better somewhere else, it's just because you may not be able to smell the sewage yet come from the other yard, right? You better water your own grass. What is missing is not better than what you have if you will invest in what you have. I got three people, four people clapping. Amen. Praise God. Guys, this is exactly what Gomer did. Gomer, she went out, she met a couple of other guys, and she got pregnant with them and had their kids. When I say kids, multiple. She had a daughter named, named Lo Ruhama, and, and, and her daughter's name literally means unpitied, unloved, or not loved by the true father. These names were actually revealing from the hurt that God had in this situation. This was a perfect illustration of what Israel was doing, playing out. Then she went out and found another guy, and she got pregnant with his son, and God called him, call, call him Lo-Ami, which means no kin of mine, not related to me. You can hear the hurt that God has when his people are rejecting him over and over and over. You can hear the hurt that is in God's voice here. If you've, if you've ever been cheated on, you know the pain. God felt cheated on. God felt like his people were committing spiritual adultery. Spiritual adultery. And I just wanna, again, I wanna divert a little bit from the natural physical marriage side to, to look at kind of the, the B story, which is actually the A story here. It's God's heart. And, and so the, Israel had walked away and they were living lives of sin and serving idols and, and doing all of these things. And we see two responses. They were literally committing spiritual adultery. And we find two responses to spiritual adultery because quite honestly, there, I, I wanna break this down because in our lives, too many times we commit that. And I just have to be real with you. My job as a pastor is, for, is to encourage you into what God has called you to do. But oftentimes you can't get to what God has called you to do if you're committing spiritual adultery against the God of your purpose. I told you it's gonna be a challenging message. My team's been praying for me this week. Like, I, this is a tough one. The toughest message. Come back next week. We'll talk about something fun. We'll talk about sex or something, Okay. Like, amen. But there was this response that God had about spiritual adultery. And there were two responses that God had. Number one, God's response to spiritual adultery was righteous anger. It was righteous anger. We find it in Hosea chapter two, verse eight through 10. She had not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain. Talking about Israel. 
the new wine and the new oil who lavished her, lavished on her silver and gold. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. Now I will expose her lewdness before the eyes of her lovers. No one will take her out of my hands. You can hear this hurt. You can almost hear this jealousy. You know, the word says, I, I, God is a jealous God, right? Because the Old Testament God says, you will have no other gods before me. You will have no idols. You will worship me and me alone. And he has every right to ask for that. Let's be honest, right? I, I feel like sometimes we try to get comfortable with God and, and ultimately God is our creator and he has every right to do whatever he wants to do. He created everything and every person and every situation in this world. Like that when he knows how good he is and how foolish we are for rejecting him, it hurts him, it makes him angry. He says, I want your heart and your love. Then you can always almost hear like this transition in here. Like he says, you wanna do your life without me? Go for it, try it. Like you wanna do a life without my blessing? Like see how it goes. Like you can almost sense God says that with some marriages today. Like you want, you know what? You wanna do marriage without me? See how it goes. I mean, try it, right? Go ahead, put idols in front of your life and not me. Go ahead and do marriage without my word and my presence in your life and, and see how it goes. I mean, try it. I, you can try to find fulfillment in, in, you know, in, in, in all these other things and, and try to find that fulfillment in sex and loving and lo love and money and porn and, and, and power. Try it. See how it goes. Bring it about, making it more personal here. Many of you are in a situation and, and it's a situation of like, man, we swore before God and you broke that promise and I'm not happy about it. I'm mad about it. That's not always in an unrighteous stance. I'm not saying don't have that stance, but what I am saying before you give up, what if you got up? Before you give up, what if you got up? Like saying, you know what, Satan? You're not stealing my marriage. You can't have it. You know what? I, I'm not gonna roll over and go away like no, most people know. I'm not gonna do it. When I said something to God, I meant it. I'm gonna fight for this thing. I don't care what old Bozo is doing. I don't care what anybody else is doing. I'm still in this to win it. Sadly, too many people in our society have been trained. Oh, it's difficult. Let's do what we've done 18 times before and take our toothbrush and go home. God might say, just because you have the grounds for divorce doesn't mean that you need to give up so easy. I'll fight for this thing. Here's the thing. In situations, anger is 100% reasonable. I'm just gonna get very transparent. I'm gonna get very real with you. Very practical. In certain situations, anger is 100% reasonable, but we're not going to get very far if we stay angry all the time. We're not gonna get there. If you read this story, there's a sudden and like this beautiful shift in God's response. Like it's, it's sudden in the word of God. He's angry and then boom, as fast as he is angry, he shows a second response that is very definite. It's his love, his unfailing love. A righteous anger and an unfailing love. Here's this shift that happens in verse 14 and 15. Check this out. Therefore, I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and I will speak tenderly to her. 
in the worst of times, when life is terrible, there I will give her back her, vine, her vineyards and, and, make, and we'll make the valley of Achor a door of hope. God, that's powerful. We will make the valley of Achor a door of hope. In your Bibles, or if you're taking notes right now, I just want you to circle the words Achor, the word Achor right there. And write it out like very clearly in your Bible because it literally means trouble. The valley of trouble, that's what it means. Literally, I will make the valley of trouble into a door of hope. I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. An old preacher said, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Right? Did you know that there are basically two ways to have a great marriage? I'm gonna give it to you right here. You ready? Take notes. This is good, right here. Two ways. Way number one, do everything right. Meet 100% of her needs or of his needs. It works, I promise. Just don't sin, ever. Just do it, it's easy, right? Way number two, door number two, is to walk through the valley of Acor together and let the Lord make it a door of hope. What does that mean right now, Pastor Michael? It means you don't always do everything right. You sin, you mess up, you say mean things, you're rebellious, you reject one another, you repent, you turn to God, you cry together, you hug, you apologize, then you cry some more and you let God break off some rough edges and conform you to the mind of Christ and conform your heart to the heart of Christ. But then you mess up some more and you cry some more, but you walk through the valley of trouble and on the other side, you walk together and there's a door of hope in it. Guys, listen to me. Some of the best marriages that I know are people that have walked through the valley of betrayal. They've walked through the valley of adultery. They've walked through the valley of pornography. They've walked through the valley of rejection. They've walked through the valley of deceit. But when they've decided they're going to go through it together with God leading the way, they discover a door of hope. Finally, they discover a door of hope. Here's the deal. Some of you, you're married, but you've given up on it. You've given up on it. You're in this house, but you have given up on it. But if you will continue to pursue God, especially if you will do it together, the two of you will pursue God. I promise you, you'll go through the valley of Achor in and find a door of hope. The challenge for some of you today is that you're someone that you don't have to walk with you. You're married but you just have to decide today that your spouse is not walking with you, but you've got to decide that you're going to walk alone, strong, with your hand out, and decide that you're going to be ready to accept your spouse when he or she is ready. You're not letting go of God. You're not letting go of your spouse. But some of you are in the middle of that valley of Acor and you just don't have any hope. Let me just tell you, there is always hope in Christ. You don't think your spouse is ever gonna come to God. Let me tell you, I've ministered to so many people that have said that and they, God just, they just continued to walk through the valley of Acor a little bit by little bit and eventually their spouse came to God. There's no better example than the Charbonnets in Louisiana that watch online with us. They helped launch this church. Her husband was an atheist. When I say an atheist, he was an atheist. 
a full-on atheist, and she joined our dream team. And the week before launch, he just came up here because he wanted to be with his family, and he just started rubbing shoulders with people that loved him, that connected with him. And you know what happened? I was able to lead him to Christ where he gave his life to Jesus. church and it's not about me but it's about couples being willing to walk through the valley of Acor. I can't tell you the amount of times that like Danielle would tell Carmen and I hey will you just pray for my husband pray for my husband yes I'm praying for Dustin I'm praying for him and we connected over LSU football and I'm gonna just tell you the year he got saved LSU won the national championship I just have to tell you come on the Lord works miracles in this house it's a house of miracles come on I told you this message was gonna get tough, but it doesn't get any easier from here. It's a tough message. God is going to say the most amazing thing to this man who has been nothing but faithful, but has received nothing but betrayal from this woman. If you fast forward in the story, what she's done now is she's left him. She left him and she's shown his he's shown his love to her again and again and she's prostituting herself out once again which you can imagine how horrible that would be in fact the text even implies that she's got a pimp a manager a manager because if you read into it she's full on into the business of prostituting herself so what is the what is God's message for the betrayed spouse told you it's challenging the betrayed spouse what is God's message I love them. I promise we did not talk about this. Megan, your ministry moment. We didn't talk about this. Incredible. What is God's message? Forgive and love as you've been forgiven and loved. In my mind, you know what I would think going through that? I'm just gonna like give you the, I'm gonna give you the, I'm gonna give you the Michael version, not the Pastor Michael version, okay? Like, bye Felicia. Deuces, like I'm not, I'm not sticking around for that. Like she had her chance, she, she blew it, she, bye. Like, but God is going to say something and he was speaking to Hosea and he said in Hosea verse, uh, chapter three, verse one, the Lord said to me, go and show, show your love to your wife again, though she is loved by another and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the Israelites though they turn to other gods. That's deep. That is deep. That is hard preaching. That is hard to accept, right? Love her. Love her as God is loving us right now, as we do not deserve it. Love her as God is loving us as we continue to worship the idols of this world. Love her as God continues to freely love us as we openly and consistently reject his goodness. How do we love and forgive the same way that God loves and forgives us? Now, this is getting where we all live. This is where the rubber meets the road. There's no guarantees what she's gonna do. There's no guarantees how she's gonna respond. There's no guarantees that this marriage isn't gonna end up in divorce. There's no guarantees that your marriage isn't gonna end up in divorce today. If you do everything right, there's no guarantees. But even though we can't control the outcome, God is very, very clear on what we should do, that we should love and forgive as we've been loved and forgiven. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12, sow for yourself 
righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground for it is time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. Now church, I gotta be, I gotta be very real with you and, and there are two sides of this. What this doesn't mean, this doesn't mean because you're, you, you forgive people, you become this big honking doormat. It doesn't mean if you're trying to reconcile that you don't bring some new rules to the game. It doesn't mean if pornography is the issue that you don't restrict access or make sure that computers and phones are not around. That doesn't mean that you let somebody walk all over you. That also doesn't mean that you walk over somebody else in the name of God's forgiveness. But what it does mean is when no matter what your spouse does, you're going to choose what is right even when there is no guarantees. I'm gonna do the next right thing. That's the hard part of this story, church. It's the hard part of this story. There's nothing easy about that because I can promise you when things get tough, every friend around you is gonna tell you, no, honey, break that thing off. You better cut that man off. You better block him right now. Blah, 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 blah. Just, just, it's time, give up. When God might be saying to you, love and forgive as you have been loved and forgiven. Because marriage is really important. I explain it to our team this way. This building right here. When we were designing this building, I know everybody that sits on the corners, y'all love these poles right here, right? I mean, I know I'm super skinny, so I can hide behind it, you know what I'm saying? Don't laugh at that. When we designed this building, I was trying to get these poles removed. And I was like, we're gonna remove those poles. Like they're not gonna be there. And then they told me how much it was gonna be to remove the poles. And I was like, we're gonna leave those poles there. <laughs> but these poles are super important because they're structurally, they make the building sound. If those poles were not there and they did not put beams in, you and I would be catching things as it falls. That would not be ideal right? Guys, strong relationships and marriages are the poles, are the pillars of a strong church. I don't know about you, but I know that God is doing something special in this house, in this body with these people. But you know what the first thing the enemy wants to try to come against? It's the truth. You better know if the enemy's coming for your marriage, you're doing something right. And if the enemy's trying to tempt you and trying to put, try to tell you the lie that, hey, the thing that you're looking at, oh, maybe there's something outside your marriage that you don't have. It's the enemy coming against your marriage. It's the enemy coming against the pillar of the church. My goal today is not I just gotta be, let me be real with you. My goal is not to bring condemnation to anybody that has been divorced, nobody. There are times in your life that you're gonna do everything right when you're gonna try everything that you can do, do the next right thing. You're gonna serve God and you're gonna do everything that you can do, but there's, doesn't mean that it's gonna be successful. Now, I know these topics bring up a ton of emotion and I, I just want you to understand my heart when I walk into this. If you are divorced, there are many people in our church and watch online, you are divorced. I want you to know that I love you and that God loves you and that you can have a successful uh, relationship and even a marriage. 
Sometimes you can do all of the right things and it's still not good enough, okay? And I know some of you are looking at me and you're going, all right, Pastor Michael. You're talking about divorce, you're talking about marriage, you're talking about all the things and your life is perfect up there. You've been married to Carmen 17 years. Y'all, yeah, your life must be great. Let me, let, let me slow your roll real fast. Because I grew up in a home where my daddy was amazing, but my dad was the one that raised me. My dad was amazing, but in my childhood, he had six marriages. Not all at once, that would be weird. <laughs> Divorce was something that was built ingrained. Like we didn't know that that wasn't normal. When Carmen and I got married, we decided, we said, divorce is gonna be a cuss word. Like that, that word is never said, never mentioned, never like we don't discuss, like we can fight, we can do all the things, we, but we never walk away from the table. I know you're thinking, man, well, y'all got it all figured out now, right? It's great. Do you really think that we've been married 17 years, raised three kids together, lived in five states, served in countless churches together without challenges that go along with that? You're really gonna insult us in that way? I want you to come over to dinner to my house for just one hour, one night, if I'm able to be home for dinner, right? To see the dynamics, the strain it puts on our marriages, the, the marriage and, and stresses of schedules. Do you really think that we started this church in our living room after living uh, after losing everything that we owned in a flood, having no job, having led through all the changes and the pandemic and the controversy and the criticism because you can't please everybody going through this and all the spiritual pressure and all the hurt relationships and the public attention, both good and bad. And you just think that we just, everything's great. You think it wasn't hard on our marriage? My wife had debilitating, debilitating migraines for much of our marriage. My dad died in 2015 and I fell into a season of depression. Those of you that knew me at that time, you could probably amen that. A season of depression that ruined me. Family wasn't fun, ministry wasn't fun. I literally missed the first part of Ethan's life because depression ruled me. Our marriage was not good at all. It was terrible, to be honest with you. It was not good. Carmen was working 12 hour shifts at the hospital and I just played golf as much as possible just to cope. Listen, I'm not an angel up here. Life has been difficult just as much as it's difficult in your life. I'm not trying to say sympathy on me. I'm trying to level the playing field. I'm not an angel. Life is not perfect for anybody in here. But what is important here is what we've done is over and over and over and over and over again, Carmen and I will take hands in times that are rough, in times where I'm wrong, in times where she's wrong. That doesn't happen very often. But we take hands and we're willing to walk through the Valley of Acorn. Because if you're going through hell, don't stop. You gotta be willing to grab her hand, grab his hand, walk through the valley of Acor. Why? Because if you'll walk in the valley, you'll discover a door of hope. Stand with me. Let me tell you the end of this story. God tells this prophet to go and pursue his immoral wife. And here's what he does, to go show his love again. 
Here's what he does. He takes his own money. He takes his own money and he buys her out of prostitution. He went and took all of his money and he bought her out of prostitution. He pays for his wife, which is powerful church because it's precisely what God did for us. I couldn't help but cry thinking about this this week while we were over prostituting ourselves to God, to this world because God is loving us. We're still sinners. Christ died for us while we were ungodly. He shed his blood to purchase us back so we could truly know his love. Church, we don't know how the, the marriage of Hosea and Gomer ended. It doesn't tell us there's no record of what she did. But my thought is once he went and purchased her from the people that literally owned her how in the world could she ever walk away again because he loved her enough to purchase her out of her sin the reason I feel that way is because when I look at what God did for us through Christ I ask myself the same question of how we could not offer ourselves back to him how could I not offer myself back to Christ when Jesus says, I give it all for you to buy you out of your sin. When God sends his only son robed in flesh to die on a cross for my sin, for your sin. I told y'all it was going to be a tough sermon today. You asked for it. I just felt led right now and I, 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 I felt led this week if you're married hopefully you're standing by your spouse right now and I just want you to grab the hand if you're not married today if you're single that's fine it's okay it's married. This, this, this message is for everybody but there are some of you that are literally in the middle of the valley of Acorn and many of you here, you're in counseling, you're struggling, you're, you've walked through this, this same situation. You've walked through pornography, you've walked through adultery, you've walked through betrayal, you've walked through anger issues, and you're in the valley and you're discovering, you're trying to figure out right now whether you're gonna stay in or you're gonna give up. Let me listen to this pastor right here as I tell you, don't give up. Don't give up. Because I know what happens if you walk through the valley the Lord can heal and change and transform. There are couples in our church that the Lord literally has healed them. Healed their, their marriages where it's changed their entire future, changed the destiny of their world. If you'll just walk through the valley. Every eye closed, every head bowed. What I, what I would love for you to do is if you're married, I want you to take that spouse's hand and I want you to lift it up. And I want to pray over you before we sing. Just lift it up in the air. If you're, if you're single right now, what I want you to do is lift both of your hands up. And we're going to pray a prayer together that is very simple. And it just says, Lord, you're all I want. God, you're all I've ever needed. God, you're, you're the only way that I can find fulfillment in this life. God, forgive me for looking other places. God, forgive me for the thoughts. Forgive me for the issues. Forgive me for the problems. God, today we know that you're the healer. 
of marriages. You can put broken things back together. You can make us whole again. So Lord, right now we surrender to you in your presence, God. We just want you. God, I speak healing over marriages right now in the name of Jesus. I speak love and forgiveness over areas that there was betrayal. God, I speak confidence and wisdom and understanding for husbands and wives that have walked away from their spouse to turn around, to repent, and to walk back. I pray that you would give the confidence to the the husband or the wife that has been keeping a secret to right now have a conversation with, after church, have a conversation with that spouse. Say, babe, we need to talk and we need to walk through this together. We need to walk through the valley of Acor. Not so we can continually sin, God, but so you can make us whole, so you can heal us and you can change us, God, because God, you set it up that a healthy marriage and a healthy family is the pillar of a church, is a pillar of a healthy church. So today we want you, God. We want all of you. We want what you have for us. God, I speak grace and wisdom and love and mercy in this house, God. I pray that you would help us to live with the same mercy and the grace that you've shown us today. Lord, we love you and we just want you. Church today, can you lift that up?